Hallelujah. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Mm. It is a new time, it is a new season, it is a time to go higher and deeper and further in the Lord. It is a time to prepare a heart and to press in to what God has for us. It is a time to buckle up and it is a time to get ready. It is a time to let go of that which hinder and slow down. It is a time to look up. It is a time to look up. Yes, look up for your redemption draws nigh, says the Lord. So it is a time to belevene ne candoro voshi kiche inelevane ne candoro roko chere de keshere. It is a time to know that I'm coming back, says the Lord. The two minutes mark. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. We have heard it. We have said it. We have taught about it, says the Lord. But it is a time no longer to wait, no longer to tukulima anemene eshetere. But it is a time to know that I'm coming back so soon. Coming back for a bride that shines in a bride that walks in power and holiness. And a bride that says, yes, Lord, come, Maranatha. So know this morning that I'm ashiki de leme nambo rebe kiche o leni indelevene echare. Oh know that I'm here to prepare you. I am here to speak to you so ever tenderly so that you, my bride, may be ready. That you, my bride, may shine, may walk in the power that I have destined for you from the very beginning. So get ready. Open your heart and know that the time draws nigh. Mm. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I wasn't planning on that. I wasn't anticipating that. But you know, sometimes I love when God interrupts. I love when God interrupts. Oh, glory to God. You know... I have to be honest with you this morning when I came and I walked in the room here. I had no idea whatsoever I was going to minister on this morning. But I just sensed the pulse. I love walking here and sitting here and standing here and just sensing the pulse of what God is saying and what God wants to do. And as I was listening to the songs of the worship, beautiful worship, and as I heard the word of this precious sister, I just... Felt the pulse of God or what God is wanting to say this morning. Hallelujah. Glory. Hallelujah. And there's a couple of phrases that kind of caught my attention. And you know what? what the word that I heard from that precious sister is it's a time of surrendering. 
It is no longer a time to play around. It's no longer a time to play church. It's no longer a time just to do things as usual. You know, and the word I heard is like the two, that's what I say, the two-minute mark, right? That's football, isn't it? That as the last two minutes, the coach, the, the, the quarterback, everybody, they get together and it's like they want to know the strategy, the plan of attack, the thing, because they know there is only two minutes. And if they are tired, tied up, men, they're going to do every, and they're going to give everything they got in those two last minutes. And that's where we are. You know, one day God spoke to me and he says, you know, we are not in the sprint. We were in a marathon. It was from one generation to the next generation to the next generation. And you know, it's like one runner then will pass the baton to the next one. And then they will run and then pass the baton to somebody else. And that's what it's been in the body of Christ. But you know that the last one that gets the, the baton for the last run, they're the one that are placed strategically to run fast and faster than anybody that's who we are we've been given the last the baton for the last stretch of the run <sighs> glory to God and so it's time you know the last runner he knows he's got to run fast the clothes that he puts on the shoes that he puts on everything about him is is been prepared it's been tailored it's been uh, strategically thought of so he could be so light, so thin, so in shape, so fast that he can go and run like he's supposed to. And I believe that's what God is saying to us. It is a time for us right now where it is not, you know, we, we, we said, you know, COVID came and then it's like, is life ever going to get back to normal? And I'm saying, no, it should not get back to that normal that we have known, where things have been comfortable, when things have been easier. When, no, no, we, it shouldn't change. We should get in a mindset, in a hot set, in a whatever set you want to think of, so that we can be running effectively, fastly, uh, and strategically, as fast as we can, as powerfully as we can. Glory to God. So that means it requires, it requires that full surrender. And it's not something we just sing on Sunday morning. I surrender. You know that song, I surrender all, you know. It is not just to, to, to sing it, to say it, but it's every day of our heart to prepare a heart, to check a heart. Because you know with God, it is all about the heart. It is not so much what we do, what we do. And I love the two lines that caught my attention. And I had my assistant, Janning, I said, just get them, just get them to me. Shake up the ground of all my tradition. Break down the wall of all my religion. That is what God is wanting to do in every one of us. And I'm not going to apologize for all of you who don't know me. Right now you're like, I'm in shock. Who is that woman? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just going to be myself in the Lord. Glory to, I'm usually, no, not that. I don't know. I don't start like that and put everybody in shock. No, 
I've got a little more thing, but anyway. But I just, you know, I come to the place where I just don't want to do church as usual. I don't want to do things just, I, I just want, it's like, Lord, and it's my heart, the heart to say, Lord, we come to the place every day with like, Lord, you expose my heart. If there is anything in my heart that is unpleasing to you, anything that would cause me, you know, to, 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 to grow cold or, or to do things that are not pleasing. Just, Lord, show me, expose. If there is any weight that is slowing me down, just show me that I can cut them off. If there is any little things that are not automatically sin, but that are just going to cause me to, to get sluggish in the spirit, then show me, Lord. I want, I want. Am I saying, you know, we're not, it's not about perfection. Because, I mean, think about it. You've got people in the Old Testament like Enoch and like Noah and like Abraham. You know, that's what God showed me. That they walked with God. And what does it mean to walk with God? It means that you are walking. You have a, a love for the truth. You walk in truth. I don't know if you notice, but we cannot... The lie is being celebrated. You can have a politician lying at your face and everybody claps. You can have advertisement and TV that are trying to, to sell you something and then lie through their teeth. And everybody, you know, it's like they just, okay, it's lie, lie, lie. And we have to be people that love the truth, that seek the truth, that celebrate the truth, and that, that just says the lie, I will not tolerate any lie in my life, in my heart, and go to go through my TV. No. We've got to love the truth. We've got to, love, to walk in the light of the word. We have to be people of the word. That means that we walk rooted and grounded in the word and walking in the light that the word is giving us. It doesn't mean we do everything perfect, but little by little, whatever the word, when you read the word, whatever the word enlightens to you, I'm going to walk in that. And then you do another step. Okay, a little more light. I'm going to walk in that. And little by little, God is, 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 is leading us into that light and walking in the spirit. We've got to be people of the spirit. You know, I am always reminded there is a prophecy, a man of God that to me, a father of the faith, a man of God that I just, you know, I believe him. I'm going to meet him in heaven. I know there's going to be millions of people. But God knows, my, I, I love that man of God, Smith Wigglesworth, a man that was bold and didn't care what people thought or said about him. And he took risk in the spirit. He walked. He did amazing things. But before he passed away and went to heaven, he had an open vision. And the Lord showed me, showed him the last revival. And he said, there's been many revival, many awakening. You know, there was the word revival. There was a charismatic revival. There was a healing revival. But he said, but the last revival will be all of that together. And he said, it will be when the word and the spirit come together. Then 
it shall be. And you know, as I travel, I've seen a lot in different places, people that are all about the word. You know, they, the, the word, the word, the word, sticklers for the word. And I say, yes, amen, hallelujah. But when you talk to them about the move of the spirit, the gifts of the spirit, they kind of like, oh, you're that bunch, you know. <laughs> and they kind of have like a little kind of look at it like, no, we are the serious people. We are the word. And then you have the people that are all about the move of the spirit, the, the, the prophecy and the gifts and, you know, flowing in the spirit. And then you try to go and stand and teach the word. They kind of look at you like, like, oh, boring. It shouldn't be either or. We have to be people of the word, rooted, grounded in the word, so the winds of doctrines will not just take us here and there. We are grounded, rooted in the word, walking in the light of the word, but yet that will be in the spirit that when the spirit says go, we go. When he says stop, we stop. The word and the spirit together. That's who we have to be. And I believe this is where we are. We are people of the word and the spirit because it is the people of the word and the spirit that's going to be right smack in this great revival, in this awakening. And I know many of you know of Andrew Womack, a good friend of mine, but I remember one day he was in a conference and the Lord spoke to him. There was a lot of young people in that conference and the Lord spoke to him and he said, many of those young people that I hear will one day tell all the stories of this great awakening like it was in the time of the Azusa Street, you know. And Andrew just said, Lord, so are you saying we are approaching this great awakening that is coming near? And he says, no, it is not coming near. It has started. And I can tell you the truth. I tell you, yes, I believe it. I sense it. I know it. I've seen it. I have come to a place now. And this is my desire. This is my heart. This is what I want to contend for and pursue. I want to be able to walk in a room. And without me saying a word, people get healed here and there. And I've started to see a little of it. It's happened to me now on three different occasions in, in, in the last few months where I can, and I go and meet a young woman and she just wants to introduce herself to me. And I go and I just give her a big all hair, big hug. And unknowingly to me, I didn't know that young woman was suffering from scoliosis. God had healed her of that. But she still once in a while had so much pain from the neck to the bottom of, a, uh, uh, bottom of, the, of the back, the spine. And she says she had to work, carry boxes, push and stuff. And she says she was in so much pain. I just gave her a hug and instantly she got healed. That happened on two different occasions. The, in, just a few weeks ago, I was in Colorado in a restaurant getting ready to eat. And there were women around a table. And they said, oh, Audrey Mack. So I went and said, hey, hi, ladies. Didn't know them, but they called me. So I'll just go and say, hey, ladies, nice to meet you. You're here for the conference. And then I just put my hand on the lady's, you know, shoulder. I didn't know she had uh, quite a few Stuff going on in her body, incurable. The doctor couldn't help her. She was always in pain. 
And a few days later, they, they sent her an email saying that as I put my hand on her shoulder, all the pain disappeared and completely healed. I've started to see some of that. Now, don't you go now asking me to hug you and put my... I've had that one time. I was in, and then all of a sudden people said, can I give you a hug? And I'm thinking, oh yeah, I'll give you a hug. And then two, three, four, ten, I'm like, what is up? Everybody wanted a hug. And then it dawned on me. Yeah, that just hurt me. <laughs> Gloria, well, if that's what it takes. But I've started, I'm saying that I can tell God it's starting to, <sighs> things are starting to rise up a little bit. The heat is starting to increase a little bit, the anointing. But having said that, that means he's getting ready to get it higher and higher. And it's going to take us people that can handle the heat. That can handle the anointing. That can steward the anointing and the call of God. That can learn to walk by the Spirit. And so that takes full surrender. That takes God. Shake up the ground of all my little pet peeve traditions that I've been holding on. The little thing that looks like harmless, no problem. No, no, it's the time now. Even those things, get off me. Any kind of little religion that we might have. Why? Because we've got to be people of the heart. And I was talking about Enoch and Noah and Abraham. There were people that walked with God. Were they perfect? No. Abraham lied a few times. Noah got drunk. Enoch, I don't know. But they were not perfect. But here's what was perfect about them. Their heart. And, and a per, what is a perfect heart? It's a heart that says, God, I just love you. Here, you, here I am. Being authentic. Being transparent. Being just you, with your little quirks, your little thing, your personality, just being you. And not being afraid to go to God, says, Lord, this is what you got to work with. That's me. Not trying because, you know, one day God has been giving me some dreams. And I know they are prophetic dreams. And one of the dreams. I saw myself in that dream wearing all white and gold. It was like a, a, like a wedding dress. It was beautiful. It had and golden embroidery. It was gorgeous. And I'm standing there. But I'm, it's like I'm in, in, in the wedding. And it's strange because it's like I was wearing like a wedding garment. But yet in the dream it was not like there was another bride coming. And in the dream there is that other bride coming. But she's wearing brown. And she's going here and she's marching down. And I'm looking, I'm like, she's wearing brown. What is that? She's a bride. And, 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 and all, as all of a sudden she's talking. And words she's talking about. And I'm thinking in my dream, that's not what she told us. She's saying something completely. It was like double language, double standard, double, you know. And all of a sudden, I just in the dream, it was like, this is part of the church. There are some in the church that are truly pursuing God. But there are others that are in the church. But that are walking not with a true heart. But with a form of religion. Denying even the power which is the Holy Spirit. 
We cannot be in the church with a double standard, with hypocrisy in our heart, with a form of religion that looks hallelujah. But then walk the rest of the week in ways that are not pleasing to God. In ways that are away from the truth. You see, our love for God should be in every area of our life. The way we walk. The way we go to the grocery store and buy. The way we vote. The way we treat our children and our spouse. The way we treat each other. The way... Every the way we work at, 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 the, at the job. We should be people that carry the presence of God, the standards of God. I'm not again talking about trying to be perfect. No, trying to walk to the best of our ability with a true heart. With no double standard, with no hypocrisy. Shall we be perfect? Probably not. But we're going to do everything in our heart to walk in a way that is true. I don't know why I'm saying all of that, but I believe that's what the Lord is wanting us. I believe God in his goodness, in his mercy, he's preparing his bride. And he's bringing in a tender way, he's bringing his correction. He's cutting, you know, I love it. He is the vine dresser. We are the vine. And he's going to go close to the vine. And he's going to start cutting, removing. And that's what I believe God is trying to do to us. Because when the heat goes up, when the glory increase, we don't want our glory. We don't want to be said, nah, that one cannot handle the pressure, cannot handle the heat, cannot handle the glory. We want to be right smack into this great awakening, what God wants to do. And God in his goodness and mercy is preparing us. Oh, hallelujah. So we surrender our heart every day saying, okay, God, show me. Teach me, discipline me, because a son whom the Lord loves, he will discipline. And that means, you know, I, I so long, we've heard people say, I'm living for God. I'm going to live for God. We are not called to live for God. No. Why? Because if you live for God, the you is still in the first place. You, you is still on the throne. We are not called to live for God. We are called to let God live in you and through us, through you. And what does it mean? What does this look like to have a life where it is God living in us and through us? It means we've got to learn to die to the self. What we want, what we think, what we want to, to do it. That's what Paul, I love it, Paul said in Galatians 2.20. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. No longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live in this flesh, in this body, I live it by faith in the Son of God. Paul said that. I, mean, I can't wait to meet the guy. I have such high honor for that guy. Who allowed people to persecute him like. And yet he continued steadfast. Because he understood it's not him. It's not about him. 
Unfortunately, in this life, in this culture, it's been a me culture. It's been a me, pamper me culture. It's all about me, what I want, how I want. It's all about I, 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 me and myself. I mean, you can see it. You look on, on the social media. It's all about how many pictures of myself am I going to take? <laughs> and they, invent, they invented selfie sticks. <laughs> Imagine that. And Paul said, no, it is no longer. I have to understand that the big I, me, I, Asked to die with Christ, crucified, buried, and the new eye that raised from the dead with Christ. It is not a new eye where it's no longer I, it's Christ who lives in me. So he can live through me. And you know, as I was meditating on all of that, the Lord sent me to a passage in Judges chapter 6. Remember the story of Gideon, which by the way, the story of Gideon it's a type and shadow of this, this, rev, this generation. The generation that's going to bring this revival before the Savior comes back. Because he was found, remember, Gideon was found in a wine press. What do you do in a wine press? You beat grapes to make wine, right? But he was threshing wheat. What do you do with wheat? You make bread. And here he was in a wine press, threshing wheat. To me, that's a type of the word and the spirit together. And he's the one who tore down the altars of Baal. And the altars of Baal and Molech, what is it? The altars of Baal and Molech, it's, a, it's the altars where people were sacrificing their babies to please the gods. Sounds very much like abortion to me. We ought to be the people that celebrate life. Even in the way how we go and vote. How do we vote? Do we vote for people that will facilitate, celebrate, and promote abortion? Or are we voting for people that will protect your babies? We, like I said, we have got to understand that righteousness, holiness, we carry God in us everywhere. And we've got to ask ourselves, what I'm about to do is that, you know, Jesus, God, would you do that? Would you vote for this person? God, would you do this? Would you say that? Would you buy that? Would you do? I mean, God living in us. And I was reading in Judge 6, and he said, the spirit of the first thing he did is he went and tore down all those altars. That took some guts. Knowing he could, he, he could be kicked out, persecuted, but he did it. And then what did he do? The Bible says the spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. The spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. It gives us this impression that God just descended and just rested upon him. But when I looked at it and it caught my attention, I saw something. In the Hebrew, it actually means God put on Gideon like a garment. He put him on and it's like putting him on like a glove. 
Sounds familiar? Some of you have disconnected. Don't disconnect. Don't allow the enemy to disconnect you. What I'm saying this morning, I'm saying it because I love truth. And we should love truth. And right here it says, the spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. In another word, Gideon became like God possessed. Where God put Gideon like a glove. Where all of a sudden he was no longer Gideon that went, that did, that said. It was God in him. And that's what, exactly what Paul is saying. Paul is saying, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but it's got to be Christ who lives in me so he can live through me. And that is what God wants to do in these days through us. It is not just living a good little life, a good little Christian. No, he wants to have people that completely surrender, people that completely said, hey, I, it's not about me, it's about you. So just take on over. Let's just go and move together. And had, I love it. Listen to those two verses. In 2 Corinthians 5.15, it says, Jesus died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. First Peter 4.2, so as to live for the rest of the time, no longer in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. That is what should just, what is the will? Not my will, but your will. Not my will, but your will every day. Glory to God. And that's what Paul was saying. That's the life that you and I now. To start coming to the place where it's like, okay, Lord, let's just. And here at the beginning of the year, you know, that's where we're supposed to do good resolution and visions and, you know, set things in place. What a great time to do that. An inventory of our heart. Well, Lord, here is my heart. I open it. And I want to surrender. And I want you to show me if there are some stuff in my heart that don't need to be there. If you need to do some house cleaning. If you need to do some rearranging. If you need to do some cutting. If you, whatever it is you need to do. And I love that Paul then says, now, you know, living no longer for thyself, for Christ. No longer I live, but him who lives in me. How did he do that in a practical, everyday, okay, today? How do you do that? He said it. He says, I do, I live this life in this flesh by faith in the Son of God. Now, let me ask you this. What is faith? What is faith? Okay, here we've got a definition in Hebrew 11.1. 1, but sometimes you read that, it's the assurance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And you're like, could I have a simpler, easier version, please? You know, it's kind of like. By the time you try to understand what he says. So let me just give you the, the Audrey cut out simple version. Faith is simply trusting God and his word more than what you can feel or see. Trusting God and his word. But how does faith come? How does that kind of faith of trusting God and his word, how does it come? Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by 
hearing and hearing by the word of God. But here is a mistake that the church has made. It's oftentimes we think if I cram, memorize, dissect, and go on a, you know, reading, reading, and remembering as much as I can, and knowing as much as I can, if I do that, then I have faith. And how many people have you heard of who were stricken with cancer or whatever, and all of a sudden they went into a word which thing, okay, I've got to have all my scriptures that come up with a list of all the scriptures, and they go and they declare, and they go and they confess, and they go and memorize, and they go into a, 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 a gymnastic and they die. And they, you look at them on the other side. They had faith. They had the word. They stood on the word. They confessed the word. They declared the word. Why? Because they thought that just going into the word and knowing as much of the word intellectually is what was faith. No. Faith comes by hearing right there. We could stop. What did you hear from God? What has God spoken to you? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. And that word here, you know, in Greek, there are two different words in Greek to say the word word. That's a lot of words. There is the word logo, which is the the word, the, the entirety of God's counsel from Genesis to Revelation. It is the entirety of God's knowledge and counsel. Jesus was the living word. That's why every time the Pharisees trying to trap him, bam, he had the right answer. Because he was the word. But the other word that here Paul is talking about. When he says, "Come, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God is the word rhema, which is the spoken word of God, spoken to you, specifically, personally, individually. It's that word. And when you hear a word from God, faith comes. You don't have to try to do a spiritual gymnastic. Of, no, you just have to simply, like a child, go to your father, talk, listen. And when you hear, faith comes. Think about that little lady who had the issue of blood for 12 years. How did she tap into the power of God and see her healing? For she heard that Jesus healed the sick. And because she heard, she had that conviction that if I can only touch him, I will be made whole. That just hearing triggered such a faith. She heard, you can be healed. Unfortunately, we have made approaching the, not, I'm not saying, don't take me wrong. Don't put words in my mouth. I'm not saying we should get rid of our Bible. No. And walk by the seat of our pants. I'm hearing from God. I'm not saying that. I love the word, my Bible. I read it. But approaching the word on an intellectual level is not going to bring faith. It's not going to help you. Think about it a second. Abraham, Enoch, Noah walked with God, but yet they didn't have a Bible. 
and yet they built an ark, and yet they did change the world. But thank God that we've been entrusted and given a Bible. But how we approach this Bible and how we look at it determine whether we're going to get faith or not. Because this Bible, what it is, it is not just, and so many we just approach it like a, almost the letter of the law. A book of principles and instruction and a book of methods and 10 step two. When in reality, this is a love, this is a, a letter from God, a love letter from our Father. And when we approach it, it is not so we can know more. We approach it so we can hear better. And we can give God an opportunity to speak to us. And we can speak to Him. So when we read the Word, we, we read it talking to our Father. Father, why did you put that? What do you mean there? And you... And, and it, it, it's like a landing pad where God speaks to you individually. And it shows you, okay, this is what you should do. And all of a sudden, a verse whew, pops out of the page. What is it? God speaking to you. And you hear. And faith comes. And God speaks all the time because we are his, his, his sheep. He is the shepherd. And the sheep hear his voice. You see... But here is the problem. We have approached the word of God in such almost a Western intellectual manner. Do you know what I mean? And we study the word not to know God more, but just plain to know more. So we can do the next Bible trivia and we can win. Do you understand what I'm saying? This is never God's intention. For us, you got a big head. He wants us with a big heart. And the big heart comes when we start talking to God from our heart through the word. And of course, he'll speak to you. I've had God speak to me through so many different ways. But the number one way he will speak to me is through his written word. When I allow myself to look at it and approach it like, God, you want to talk. So please talk to me. I'm going to look. And as soon as I see something that catches my attention, what do I do to me? It's a signal. Okay, go and dig a little deeper. That's when I get my concordance, my dictionary, and my, you know, commentaries. It's okay. I'm going to dig. Because obviously, Holy Spirit, you are wanting to talk to me right here and show me something. You, you know what I'm saying? You know that verse I was telling? We were having dinner with Pastor uh, Shannon and Karen yesterday. And, you know, I was saying, you know, I discovered something. That the word study is really not in the Bible. <laughs> it is not. There is one verse in 2 Timothy where it says, study to show yourself approved. A worksman, man, a worksman, not, you know, ashamed, but rightly being able to rightly divide the word of truth. That word study when you look in the Greek, it's not study. It's be diligent. Here again, it's a hard thing. Be diligent. Hot. To be a workman that cannot be ashamed, but rightly dividing. And the other place, the only place that has the word study is in Ecclesiastes 12, 12. And you know what it says? Too much study is a weariness of the flesh. 
We were never, now, doesn't mean we throw a Bible and we never know, but what it actually means is you and I were not geared and made to approach the word and our relationship with God to amass and to have knowledge and more and just get fat in just going more. What we were created for is to have a living relationship with the living God who loves us, who wants to talk to us every day. And so that is the key. You see, that's how the the, the men of old, that's how they lived. They just talked to God, listened to God, walked with God. And you know, that's what God wanted right at the beginning. You know, when he created Adam and Eve, that's what God wanted. He walked with Adam and Eve every day. And whatever they needed to know for the day, God told them, explained them, answered the question. I mean, they had a conversation, communion. That's how they they functioned. But then what happened? Remember? Adam and Eve, they kind of tried to get a shortcut. And they ate of the tree of the... The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And what did it do? It killed them. And so many people in the church, they are eating of that tree. Living their life, just going in the Bible, just trying to get knowledge of good and evil. Not understanding that you and I should eat of the tree of the spirit. The tree that is life. Because Jesus says, my words, my ray, my word, they are spirit, they are life. And you remember he told the Pharisee, he said, you think that in studying the scripture you have eternal life? And they didn't. They had the form of godliness. They knew. Oh yeah, they could quote scriptures. They could know. They had all, but they had no life in them, no spirit in them. Let us not fall in that same trap. We've got to be people of the spirit. And God wanted to do that again when he got you know, Israel out of Egypt. He got them out of Egypt and he told them, if you listen to my voice, here again, and obey my instruction, I will make of you my treasured possession. But what did they say? Oh, no. No. Face to face talking to you directly? Oh, no. You talk to Moses. And let Moses get back to us and talk to us. Uh-uh. And what did God have to do? Thank God he was patient. Thank God he didn't call for a redo. No, he said, okay, I'm going to have to go to their level. That's why he brought the law. In order to protect them. In order to, to bless them. The mo- the, as much as they could. He could. In order to guide them to the Savior that one day would come. But then he said, I love that. Now that the Savior has come, now that faith has come, we are no longer under the tutor, which is the law. The list of do's and don'ts. The list of knowledge of good and evil. No. And thank God, after Jesus came, now you and I have the opportunity, the privilege 
the gift to be able to do what Israel refused to do, which is have a one-on-one relationship with God, to talk to Him, to listen to Him. And that is how you and I live this crucified life, by faith that comes by trusting God and His Word that comes by how? By hearing and hearing the word that comes out of his mouth. That's what Jesus says. Matthew 4, 4. He says, men that shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. Sorry. It's making noise. Get rid of the bling bling. Jesus said it. Men will not live by bread alone, but by Every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That's how you and I are supposed to live this life. This crucified life. Not by knowing the knowledge of good and evil. And living our life with principles and methods and ten steps. We are called to live this life from the heart. In a relationship with God. Listening to him. And when he speaks, it feeds us. When he speaks, it directs us. And if we can just obey his voice. Listen to his voice and obey his instructions. Then we live this life. And you know, my friend, this is the life of rest. You remember Jesus said, Come all to me, you who are heavy laden and weary. For I give rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He was talking to this new covenant that you and I should live, a covenant where we live in rest. No longer in striving, in trying, in trying to live our life for God. Uh-uh, we were not called to live our life for God. Us trying as hard as we can to walk straight, to do well, to do. No, no. We were called to live a life of rest. And how does that life of rest come? We find that in the book of Hebrew. In Hebrew chapter 4, verse 9, it said, There is a rest, a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For him who enters the rest sees himself from his own works. And you look at it in the context. In Hebrew 3 and Hebrew 4, in many different occasions, what does the author say again and again? He says, today, if you will hear my voice, do not harden your heart. Today, if you will hear my voice, do not harden your heart. You see, once you enter into this relationship of talking to a living God, listening to him, not hardening your heart because I don't want to do that, or it's not easy, or it's not convenient, or, you know, we start justifying excusing no no we hear we obey we don't harden a heart we say okay god i hear i follow i hear i do i hear and when you walk and live your life in this way there is no pressure you are in rest why because it is not up to you to try to figure it out it is not up to you to find the strategy the way the tense no And follow rules and it is just up to you to talk to God, to listen to him and yield. And when you do that, the pressure is not on you, it's on him. It is up to Holy Spirit to speak. And did you realize that this is how Jesus lived? Do you know this is how Jesus lived his life on earth? 100% man, 100% God. Can I tell you, you are the same? 
You are 100% man and 100% God in your spirit. And Jesus left, he left right here an example to follow. If we can just see how he did things. And you know what Jesus said? He said, I do nothing out of my own initiative. When I saw that, it blew, it blew my socks off. I'm like, Jesus, the son of God who created all the galaxies and the universe doesn't take it upon himself to make decisions and do things his way. He doesn't do anything out of his own initiative, but only what he sees the father do or hear the father say. Don't you think that something we should try to emulate? I mean, that's what he said in John chapter 15. He says, guys, you are, I am the vine, you are the branches. Without me, you can do nothing. Right there, he set things in place. If we can just get to that truth, because we think we're so smart. And some of us are. Some of us, or I should say some of you, have so many letters behind your name, it's intimidating. Some of you are so smart. But you know that can sometimes work in your disadvantage. Because you can think, huh, I know what to do. I've got it all figured out. Yes, maybe we do, maybe we can, maybe. But if we can be like little children that come to God and say, God, without you, I can do nothing. I'm going to accept that. Please, you are the creator. You know all things, beginning from the end. So I'm just going to just humble myself. I'm going to be meek. And the Bible says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. You see, that's what it takes, meekness. You said, yeah, I might think I know a thing or two. But I'm going to choose to believe that maybe I don't know it. And I'm going to go to you, Holy Spirit. And I'm going to let you speak to me, guide me, direct me, correct me, hold me back. Or whatever it is. Just to be that flexible, that humble with God. And then Jesus says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. Here again, we've made the mistake, said, oh, I crammed the Bible. I know 1,500 verses by heart. <laughs> That's not what he's talking about. He said, if my ray, my word, that word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, that word, living word, that is spirit, that comes, that, that, that word that God speaks to you, personally to you. And yes, I would say, Probably 80 to 90% of the time, God might take the written word to speak to you. That's why it's so important for us to have the word in our heart, to read the word, to read the word from our spirit, with our spirit, so that the Holy Spirit can pull out scripture and say, here it is. Here it is. You know, that's how I got healed of bone cancer. Holy Spirit woke me up. Three nights in a row, then spoke to me, then gave me a verse from the scripture. And he says, the joy of the Lord will be your strength. It was a key. And I took that verse that I knew. I had read it, I don't know how many times. And I took that verse and I knew that's a key for my healing. And that's what I did that night in my living room by myself. Ha ha, he he, ho ho. 
And I did that for I don't know how long until the ha ha he he ho ho turned into a living stream of living water coming out of my spirit where I rolled on the floor rolling and laughing. But it was not the he he ha ha. It was the joy of the spirit that was resonant in me that gushed out of my spirit. And that night, that's how I got healing. The Holy Spirit led me, warned me, led me. Taught me, directed me, corrected me. That's how we have to learn to live our life. We were never meant to live our life out of principles and methods and 10 steps. We were born to live our life from the heart with a relationship with God. It is so important, so important for us to do, to learn, to get that. Because you see, that's the key to this new awakening. Where all religion is out, all tradition is broken, and we are just people of the Spirit that can hear the Holy Spirit. So when he says, go to that person and pray for them, and you pray for them, and all of a sudden they get out of the wheelchair. Go and talk to that person. They need encouragement today. Oh, do this, or stop your car, and all of a sudden you have a semi-truck going on your lane. Or whatever it is, when we learn to be sensitive to the spirit and hear his voice, we can be in a safe place that no matter how much deception is around, how many lies are swirling around us, no matter what much darkness is going on, we stand there safe under the shadow of the Almighty. And we can say, oh, the Lord he is my refuge, my strong tower, my fortress. Though 10,000 fall my right hand and I in my left hand, it shall not come near me. And you know, let me share something with you that happened to me. When God, because I've been pursuing God in living that type of love, have I arrived? No. But I've become conscious that that's the type of life he wants us to live. So I am pressing into it little by little I'm contending into it I'm asking God to show me teach me how to hear his voice better how to recognize him in the small interruption in the whatever way that I can just no longer I who live but Christ who lives in me and the life that I now live in this flesh in this body I live by the faith of the son of God by faith in the son of God who loved me and died and died himself for me and this faith that comes by simply trusting God, his word more than what I can feel or see. A faith that comes by hearing the voice of God. And I'm learning to live this way more and more and more. So I can be the right place, the right time doing what he wants to do. And so I've been asking the Lord, teach me. Show me what it looked like. How it works. Show me. I want to know more about that, Lord. And then God is so cool, you know. You know how you, for me personally, you know how I learn best? Not just by hearing. I learn best by doing. I'm a kinesthetic. I'm a visual kinesthetic learner. You know what that means? It means I learn by seeing and by doing. And actually, that's the majority of people. Did you know that? That's why we are called to be doers of the word. And I've been asking the Lord, and one day... So I'm a missionary. That means I travel a lot, all the time. And so through the years, I have learned a few things that help. A few things that 
helps me not to lose my passport or not to, you know, to do crazy things. And then I'm like, where did I put it? How did I do it? You know, it's like putting your keys in the same place so you don't lose them. Amen. Amen. And so I've learned that, you know, when I fly, I get off the plane and then what I'll do, I'll look for the next gate and I go to my next gate directly without stopping. Not stopping for bathroom break, not stopping to buy, to eat or anything. I wait until I am in my next terminal by my gate in case there is some, a change. You know what I mean. And so that day I was flying from Jacksonville and I was supposed to go to San Antonio, Texas. And so I always fly through Atlanta because I'm a Delta frequent flyer. And so I'm, I'm in my plane, Jacksonville, taking off, and I'm reading a book about hearing the voice of God. You see, I'm like, if I want to hear the voice of God, then I want to know a little more about it. And I'm going to do my part, you know. And so I'm like reading this book. And then there's a lady next to me that looks and she said, oh, you're a Christian? She said, I'm a Christian too. So we started to talk. And then she said, could we exchange phone numbers? I'd like to keep in touch with you. So I'm like, okay. So she lived in Jacksonville. And I said, sure, okay. I, we exchange phone numbers. And then we land. I get off the plane. I leave her behind talking to some people. And I'm thinking, okay, my next flight is going to take off in 30 minutes. So I don't have a lot of time to waste. I've got a book to my next gate, right? And so I'm getting ready, and we landed Atlanta Terminal T, which if you know anything about Terminal T, it's the security hub. It's the, the biggest terminal, and there is all the security going through that. And so I'm Terminal T, going, getting ready to go in front of the whole security, and as I'm getting ready to, I'm walking fast, I just had a spontaneous thought that just came. Go to the bathroom, and I thought, no, I don't have time, and it's not how I do things. But I knew enough. You see, I'd learned, kind of started training myself that those spontaneous thoughts that are outside of your intellectual, outside of your, you know, preconceived, your, you understand what I'm saying, out of your norm. When it's spontaneous and it comes like this, interrupt you, then I would say 99.9 .9 of the time, it's the Holy Spirit. Jesus says in John 7, verse 39, 37 through 39, he says, he said, those who are thirsty, let them come to me, and out of their belly will flow rivers of living water. And he was speaking of the Holy Spirit. Next verse. And so when it flows and it's spontaneous, out of your norm, out of your intellect, out of your preconceived, out of your calculated you know, what you know. Then I'm like, okay. So I went to the bathroom, stopped in the bathroom, did what I had to do, got out. And now I'm like right smack at the center in front of the big security hub where everybody comes out. And all of them, we hear a big scream. Everybody stop. Do not move. Freeze. And so everybody's like that, freezing. We're looking. We don't know what's going on. We are freezing. And, 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 and all of us, within a few seconds, we hear again, run, run, danger, 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 run, hide, you know, run as far as you can, hide, you know, and panic went all over the place. Have you ever seen panic? Yep. 
You might have seen it in a movie maybe. If you've been in the middle of it, it's not fun. People run. People run over each other. You know, wheelchairs just fall over. Grandma cry. Kids cry. People, I mean, it's chaos. Complete chaos, complete fear. You could cut fear with a knife. But at that moment, it was like, I knew better. I had understood that as children of God and as children of light, we should never react to darkness. We should never react. So I knew. I was like, okay. And I remember walking as slow as I could, talking out loud to myself, Audrey, do not panic. You do not panic, Audrey. And I'm walking like this. And, and, and all of a sudden, I see a huge, big pillar, and I know they are made out of concrete. So we don't know if there is a bomb. We don't know it's a shooter. We, we don't know. We just know danger. And I'm going behind that big pillar, which, by the way, is right in front of the security, and I'm standing there. And I'm praying in the Holy Spirit because I'm like, I'm not going to react. I'm going to respond to the Spirit of God. So I'm praying in tongues. And as I pray in tongues, I just sense that righteous anger, like, how dare you? And I'm starting, you know, that sense, like Jesus in the, in the midst of the storm. And, what, and I went and I said, peace, be still. I spoke loud with authority. I said, peace, be still. I command right now, let there be peace in this place. Fear, I bind you and I speak peace. Darkness, you must flee. I speak peace. And I commanded to speak loud. And of course, my loud was voice. My voice was loud. And a lady from the security ran to me. She said, what are you doing here? Run, run. And at that moment, they opened the breeze, you know, the jet bridge, and that you let everybody evacuate outside. And so we're all on the tarmac, thousands of people outside, in the cold, and we're there. And that we wait and wait for three some hours, not without knowing what was going on. Finally, after three and a half hours, missing all the flights, you know, and, and they bring us back inside in a line of one through the security, back inside in the security. And then we we'll have to find, you know, what flight is left to go to San Antonio. So I find that flight. I go to that, you know, to the gate, get, get in, my, in my plane. And as I'm sitting down, I'm sending a text to the lady that was sitting next to me in the plane from Jacksonville to Atlanta. And I said, hey, did you get caught up in that whole, you know, emergency alert and whatever happened? Did you get caught in the middle of it? I would be curious to know, are you okay? And I sent that text. And then I, we take off, land in San Antonio very late at night. I should say early morning. And I knew I have just a few hours to sleep because I have to get up super early to prepare and go and preach that whole day in a church in San Antonio. So I'm in now in my hotel, booking in my hotel room, and I'm frustrated to no end. Because you see, in our nice little Christian mind, we have that idea that if you are a Christian, everything should go well for you. <laughs> we live the prosperous life. Jesus come to give us life and in abundance, so everything should just be peachy, peachy. So for me, in my heart, I'm thinking, Lord, what just happened? Where did I miss it? How come I found myself, you know, I found myself 
in the middle of this whole problem. And at that point, we didn't know what was going on, what had happened. I'm like, I feel like I wasted a whole day. Here I'm worn out. I'm going to have to preach to Lord, I don't understand. Where did I mess up? I had enough sense to know that God didn't mess up. I did somewhere. So I'm like, Lord, where did I mess up that I found myself in the middle of that circus? What happened there? I'd like to know. And I'm a little frustrated. And I'm in, you know, preparing to go to bed. And I picked up my phone just to see if my husband sent me a text. I mean, he was late, so I'm looking. And I see a text from that lady. And she said, oh, no, Audrey, I didn't get caught in the middle because I was on the other side by the escalator. And I'm thinking, well, yeah, if I didn't stop to the bathroom, I would be on the other side. So I'm like, and she said, I made it. I, I was able to walk to the terminal. And she said, then, of course, everything froze in the, in the, was on high alert in the airport. And, but I was able to catch a letter flight. And, but she said, it's interesting. I met a lady. I sat next to a lady who was right behind the shooter. She said, while we were going in the security, she said, there was a guy behind her. And she said, he put his hand in a, he had a big bag. He put his hand in his bag. And as he's trying to get the hand out of the bag, he can't. It's like he's not able to. And he kind of looked a little frustrated. She said, she kind of noticed that he was frustrated. And as he did that, trying to get the gun out of the bag, the false discharge. And that's when all of a sudden, there was complete panic and they cried, danger, danger. And she said, and the guy could not get the hand out of the bag. He was so frustrated. So what did he do? He grabbed the bag, looked around, and ran out of the airport. They caught him a few days later, and they said that he was a convicted felon that had got out of jail for, I think, for murder. I don't know how many murders. Now, do you think that guy was in that airport that day by coincidence? I don't think so. He had an intention to kill, to destroy, to be an agent of Satan, but God. At that moment, my murmuring turned into praise because I realized that God had showed me, had used me like a glove that day. Where it was no longer I, Audrey, who lived, but it was Christ who lived in me and through me. And how? By, because I just heard, trusted, and obeyed. And I find myself in the right place at the right time, changing what could have been a huge catastrophe, a huge disaster with dead people, hurt people. But to me, that shows the love of God. That shows so much his love for people that don't even know him. So much of his love that God wants to bring light where there is darkness. That God wants to bring peace where there is chaos. Where God wants to bring order where there is trauma and chaos. God wants to intervene. But he wants to intervene. Oftentimes he wants to but he can't. Because it is us who live. I'm not going to, no, I'm going to do things my way. That, no, that, or, or simply, innocently, we have not trained ourselves just to simply hear and yield. Hear and obey. And you see, I cannot, hear the good news about this is I cannot take any glory for it. 
because it was all God doing. I had no clue what was happening. I was just, bathroom, okay, makes no sense, but if you say. And how God intervened and acted. And I understood at that moment that that is the life that God wants us to live. And that's a life where you and I are going to be gloves, instrument of God in these last days, in this great awakening where God, we train, God speaks and bam, we go. God speaks and when we do, it makes no sense. It's not practical. It's made not even convenient, but who cares? Because it's no longer about me. It's about God and his will. It's about the kingdom. It's about blessing people, helping people, glorifying the Father. I don't know about you, but I want more of that. I feel like I just scratched. And the moment, and here is the thing, the moment you set yourself on that path, it's like the devil wants to come to interrupt, distract, and do everything he can to take you from that path. You remember Jesus is as narrow is the way that leads to salvation. But we're going to get in it, aren't we? We're going to be those people. Of the word and the spirit. We're going to be those that says, uh-uh. I'm just going to press in, Lord, to hear your voice. So that means if you even say, you know what? I'm not really sure if God speaks to me. The first thing you need to do is stop saying that. Because the word says my, that my sheep hear my voice. And the shepherd speaks all the time. And so we need to stop saying, I can hear. Oh, I don't know if he speaks. No. We said, Lord, I'm a sheep. I hear your voice. So speak, Lord. You remember little Samuel? He took him three tries. And on the third time, he said, when you hear the voice, you said, here I am, Lord. Not doubting, just responding. Amen. But it starts with the decision to say, I'm going to choose. I'm going to choose to do that. I'm going to choose to set myself on that path of hearing the voice of God. And you might have maybe to listen to some good teaching from Pastor Shannon on hearing the voice of God. You might want to go and listen and read some things led by the Spirit. You know, everything I listen to and I read, I feel a witness, a grace in my, a witness in my spirit. If I pick a book and I start reading because somebody says, oh, you got to read this book. So I pick this book, I open it, and I read it, and it's like I can't get into it. I put it down. You know, but when I pick a book and all of a sudden I can't put it down, there is a grace. There is a rhythm of grace. There is a, 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 an anointing. There is an endorsing from the Father. And I go and I read it and I can't put it down. And so being led even in what you read, what you listen to, allowing the Holy Spirit, your perfect coach, to train you, lead you, so you can be fit for that last race. So if you hear this morning and you said, you know what? I am not filled with the Holy Spirit. I, I do not. Um, I don't speak in tongues. I'm not filled with the Holy Spirit. I love God. But you know what? Remember what Jesus says. Don't do anything. Don't go anywhere until you are endued with power from on high. Even Jesus Christ, the Son of God, could not do anything without the Holy Spirit. He tried it at age 12. 
And then he said, uh-oh, wrong timing. Okay. He waited another 18 years. And then led by the Spirit, he went to the Jordan River. And there the heavens opened. The Father spoke and said, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And the Spirit descended upon him as a dove. And from that place, glory to God, with the help of the Holy Spirit, he went to the wilderness to resist the temptation of the devil. With the help of Holy Spirit. He couldn't do it on his own as a man. He needed the power of God. And then from that place, after overcoming those temptations, he went in the power of the Spirit to do good and heal all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. If you said, you know what? I don't have the power of the Holy Spirit in me. I'm born again. I love Jesus, but I don't have the power of the Holy Spirit. And you said, I want the power of the Holy Spirit. And I don't care if you're five years old or 99 years old. It's never too late and never too early. But I can tell you it is indispensable. It is more than necessary. It is crucial that we live this life with the Holy Spirit. So if it is you, I'd like you to close your eyes. Just close your eyes so you forget who is around you. And if you hear this morning and you said, I have not received the power of the Spirit and I want to be baptized this morning, I'd like to see your hand. Would you do that? If you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, I see that hand. Yes, I see that hand. Thank you for being so honest and humble. That's the beginning. Anybody else wants to be baptized in the Holy Spirit? Yes, I see that hand. Anybody else? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All it requires is humility and just a childlike face. Said yes. I'm going to ask you to do something else. I'm going to ask you to stand up and come forward because I personally want to pray for you. Would you do that? I saw those few people. Would you stand up and come forward? I want to pray for you. Hallelujah. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Come on. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. I can tell you one thing for sure. With the Holy Spirit, you'll never have the same Bible. Having the baptism in the Holy Spirit, who is the spirit of revelation. Glory to God. The Holy Spirit is all over you, sweetheart. Anybody else? Glory to God. Just come and... I'm going to, the prayer team, if you could stay seated for just a second, prayer team. If you're part of the prayer team just yet, I just want the people. Come on, sir. Come on in, sir. Come on. Hey, sir. Come on in. Welcome. Would you need a chair or are you comfortable standing? You can stand. Good for you. Amen. Would you do me an... Could you, sir, come over here? Could you come a little closer so I don't have to run here and to and fro? I don't want to look like the devil. You come for yourself also. Do you come with our bro your brother? Okay, this is for those who have not been baptized. Do you speak in tongues? Okay, so 
you're good. You just need to get back on the bike and practice and, and pray more. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. You want him to stand with you? Okay. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Would you do mind? Just take your hands off. Just, yeah. Let's go. Just take one little step on the side. We know you're here. This is good. You're good. You're good. That's good. No, you don't have. You can stay next to him. That's right. Oh, you don't know how much God the Father, Jesus, are just rejoicing right now. Because you know what that means. Yes, your first step said, I surrender. I want more. I surrender. And that's so important. So I'm going to help you with this. I'm going to pray. And you're going to pray little by little after me. I'll say a little prayer. We'll repeat. But you will repeat out loud so you can hear yourself out loud. And I can hear you. And Amen. And, and from the heart. It's not the prayer. It's the prayer from the heart that matters, right? Glory to God. So I will help you to pray that. And at the end of the prayer, one thing that is so important is to cooperate with Holy Spirit. Because the beauty of it, it once we ask, we receive. Jesus said, whoever knocks, it's open. Whoever seeks, finds. Whoever asks, receives. So the moment we ask the Father, because you know in Luke 18, in Luke 11, 13, the, the, Jesus said, if you fathers, you know how to give good things to your children, how much more will the, Holy, the, the, the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? So right there, Jesus was saying that the Father wants every one of His children to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It is not an if, it is a big yes. So that you must know. Is God going to give it? Yes, you ask, He will. As easy as that. But where often people make a mistake is they have the romantic idea that it's the Holy Spirit that's going to do it all. That He's going to come, possess, take your tongue, move it, and speak through you. No, no. The Holy Spirit is called the helper. That means he's going to come and fill you. But then as you believe you received, and if you believe you receive Holy Spirit, you understand I'm going to speak in tongues. So as an act of your faith, you open your mouth and you start speaking. Not in, in English, not in your mother tongue, but in, other, not in, but in other tongues. Because if you speak, you see right now I'm speaking what language? English. Je peux parler en français. What language am I speaking? French. But if I want to speak in tongues, I have to turn off the English, turn off the French, and just believe, start speaking like a child. You see a child. That's why Jesus says we've got to have faith like a little child. You see a little child, he hears mom and dad talk, right? And he wants to talk. So what does he do? He opens his mouth. And it sounds like ba ba da ga ba de, but it doesn't care. As far as he's concerned, he's starting to talk. That's what's important. Don't hold back saying, no, no, I've got first you have the full language, then I'll open my mouth. No, no, no. As an act of faith, you believe you receive, so you open your mouth, cooperating with Holy Spirit, and you start maybe that gibberish, ba ba da ba ba. As you do that, then it's like starting, you know, the pedal a little bit, then all of a sudden, you go. 
the Holy Spirit will give you that ability, give you the language, but you've got to start. And as you do that, you're going to start praying in tongues. That easy. Amen. That easy. Don't keep your mouth shut. Because if you keep your mouth shut, you can't talk. Don't speak in English. Because otherwise you can't speak in tongues. And don't think it. You will not know what you say. And I say, thank God. We do, God doesn't want to know what we're saying. Because he wants to bypass our brain. Our intellect. He wants to pray through you. His perfect will. How beautiful is that? Amen. Are you ready? So I'm going to ask you to do one more thing. Close your eyes. Forget who is around you. Maybe open your hands. Ready to receive a gift. And picture. Use the eyes of your heart to picture Jesus standing in front of you. It's no longer Audrey Mack. I'm not here. Because it is Jesus who gives you the Holy Spirit from the Father. He's standing in front of you right now. I will give it back to you, brother. Repeat after me. Father God, fill me now with Holy Spirit and power. I believe because I ask. I receive right now. I will open my mouth and speak in new tongues because Holy Spirit is giving me that ability. So welcome, Holy Spirit. Fill my temple. Father God, I thank you. I love you. And I pray in Jesus' name. So come, Holy Spirit. Be filled now in Jesus' name. Start speaking in tongues. That's it. Go ahead with all your heart. 
prachici kestorobota terekeche sindale katoroboshte kichichare shikata I'm going to ask you to do a thing. Stop praying. Start again. Go ahead. Proyatane me kichito costa cabre cande kiriato broho se kindi leveche. Stop. Start again. Hondalia kare kichiti kasho kota tere. That's it. Propoti kishi kindo loko chere. Shiti chikishi kato tora. Stop. Now, why did I tell you to pray and stop? Pray and stop. Because I want you to realize something. It is not Holy Spirit taking control over you. It is simply you yielding to him. And you are still completely free to pray or to stop. It's going to have to be you who choose to pray. And he gives you that ability, this language. Amen. He's not going to take control over you. It is you that is going to choose to stop to pray. To stop to pray. How long you want to pray. How loud you want to pray. How low you want to pray. You are still a free person. For where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty and freedom amen so i really want to encourage you amen to continually pray because you see the more we pray in tongues the sharper we get in the spirit you know sometimes people come to me and says you know can i you know i feel like i lost the holy spirit no no you don't lose the holy spirit you just haven't prayed in the spirit so you have that impression that you can't pray anymore no get back and start praying and the more you pray in tongues until it becomes second nature the keener you're going to become to the voice of god the easier it's going to be able to recognize when god speaks to you amen because he speaks to you by the spirit in your spirit amen God bless you. Really, congratulations. Thank you for taking this step of faith in all humility. God bless you. But before I go, I want to go with a little gift. Oh. This one, I turned off the other. Hallelujah. 
Is that okay? No problem. I don't want to cre create a third world war here or anything. Just joking. Uh, we've got a book table in the back, and we were at Karis in Orlando, so they bought a lot of stuff. So whatever we had left, we put it on the table. But there is an album right here, but I think it's one of the top. It's called The Violent Take It By Force. I really, with this revelation that the Holy Spirit gave me, I was able to see people that were in wheelchair come out of the wheelchair. I have been able to see people that have been bound by sickness for years and years and years with no help from the doctor. When they got that revelation completely healed and set free. There are so many testimony that has come from this message. So I want to make you aware of it. The violent take it by force. And you know, the violent, that spiritual violence doesn't mean that we kick and shout and scream and da da. No, no. It is a spiritual attitude in the spirit. You can be very soft, but yet violent in the spirit. You can be praising God, but be violent in the spirit. Or sometimes you can go and Jesus no stop, and you can take that. Oh, you know, it all depends of what the Holy Spirit is telling you to do. And learning that place of spiritual violence against the enemy is so crucial. So um, I want to give this to somebody. Is there somebody here? Okay. Is there somebody here? You are of somewhat a shy disposition and you are dealing with a sickness. Janik, could you give it to one of those two ladies? There is a... Li Hallelujah. Amen. Pastor Shannon. Thank you so much, Audrey. Hallelujah. Is that good? 